0: Live from the Great White North, this is The Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Brayden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Canadian Investor. I'm Brayden Dennis and I'm joined by Simon Belanger. And today we're going to do something really fun that we hope to do every single quarter, which is pitch a particular stock to each other and then allow each other to give each other feedback on if they like the idea if you think it's a crap idea fully allowed to roast each other and uh, give our thoughts on and insights on what the kinds of things that we're thinking about when we're picking individual stocks so how's it going Simon
1: I'm doing well. Uh, I think we talked a bit about uh, my upcoming move, so it's been a a bit of a crazy week, but I was able to uh, look into the companies that we'll be talking today, and also we'll uh, look at Canada Goose as well a bit later on, and of course our tip of the day.
0: Nice, yeah. So I am recording with a brand new mic. We're making this stuff real professional now. I probably have all the settings wrong, but that's okay. And um, we're going to kick it off. So, Simon, I'm going to let you go first because I can't wait to roast you and then maybe come around full circle because after I look at this growth, it is pretty impressive.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, so the company I selected is a company I started a position in about a month and a half ago, if I remember correctly. So some of you might be familiar with, it's uh, Etsy. So E-T-S-Y, the ticker is E-T-S-Y as well. So easy to remember. So if you're not familiar with it, Etsy is a marketplace where sellers will go and sell craft goods. So um, they'll usually take a percentage of each transaction. Um, It is, it's a very niche market it's a pretty small company overall so market cap of six billion dollars compared to for example larger marketplaces like amazon for example who has i think over are they a trillion dollars now something like that market yeah. cap yeah. um so when i there's a lot of things i do like about etsy um it's probably uh bit different of the companies that we've talked about so far so it's definitely a growth company they are profitable um, they have good profit margins as well um, they are quite expensive on traditional metrics uh, but they do have a very good stronghold on that niche market um, even so that amazon a few years ago started to uh um, wanted to compete against them and start a, something that was more focused on crafts good. And it didn't work very well. And Etsy is actually still thriving in an Amazon world, which is pretty impressive because as we all know, Amazon has been, <coughs> excuse me, has been crushing a lot of companies because uh, they're just increasing their market share. when it comes to retail, so Etsy has actually been um, doing very well. They recently purchased uh, Reverb. So Reverb is a, a company that specializes in selling new and use music gear. Um, so they bought that for 275 million in cash last summer. Uh, and they're still, uh, it's under their umbrella, but they're still letting it operate on its own. Um, and it's, it goes very well with their business being a bit more niche specific markets. Um, so I think it, they're actually going to incorporate that very well in their business. Um, so, Brayden, I'll give you a chance to talk a bit about it or ask me some questions and then we can look at the financials a bit more for them.
0: Sure. So, my God, this company is expensive at 60 times earnings, but we we already know that they have posted impressive over 30% top line growth. My question for you is how are their margins so high if it's a marketplace? And this is coming from someone who doesn't even really understand Etsy. Um, because just based on their products, I would probably not be, you know, their target market. However, how are they posting these gross margins of like close to 70% when it's a marketplace? Do you have any insight on that?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. If I were to just kind of venture in it, I would assume that they have some pretty stable like expenses overall. Obviously, they'll increase, but I think their expenses won't increase as quickly as their revenue as a percentage. So, that's always a good thing to see. Um, So, that would be my best guess. Um, I did start a very small position in them uh, just because I was familiar with the company and it's part, I think we've, I'm, not sure if we discussed this on the podcast, but I tend to keep most of my um, holdings in very solid blue chip uh, dividend paying companies. But I do keep a little like 10, 15 percent in like my fund portfolio, which I, I invest in companies that are higher growth. Probably the metrics aren't as attractive as some of the companies we've talked about. Um, so that would be my best guess. I know a few years ago they increased the fees a little bit. Um, so that did increase the margins as well and they're uh doing pretty well overall they don't have um if i remember correctly they don't have a lot of debt so they look really good from that perspective um they also are pumping a lot of free cash flow um and growing very quickly so and what i really love about them is that they are amazon resilient at least this far
0: yeah that that's a good point because that would be my my next question is who what Who is their competition? I think they operate in a really interesting niche um, with these craft goods, the types of things you'll see on Pinterest, perhaps. And you're right, they are pumping out a lot of free cash flow. They're trading at, I say only, um, laughable only, 42 times enterprise value to free cash flow, which is not crazy considering, you know, the free cash flow growth, top line growth, and the other kind of, um hot stocks like this one however they have pulled off like 30 percent from their high back in was it 2018 or 2017. um i didn't realize that this company ipo'd uh like back in 2016. i thought they were like a 2018-2019 ipo so it shows you how much i know about this company but i mean yeah i mean i think they do have a lot of potential and they have a really interesting niche
1: yeah. So in terms of competition, obviously, Amazon would be one player. eBay would also be another player that would be competition against him. I would say to some extent Shopify as well, too. Um, those are probably the three biggest things in terms of competition. But again, everything's showing that even though uh, Amazon and Shopify, eBay is kind of stagnant a little bit, but those two are have been growing really rapidly, even despite that, Etsy has been doing really well. Um, In terms of the pullback, I think it was really due to their recent earnings where they uh, came in a slightly below expectation, but still really good growth. And like we've said it before, growth companies, that's what you're kind of dealing with. If the company doesn't oftentimes at least meet or exceed expectation, even if they're doing super well, you'll usually see a pullback in the uh, in the stock.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So. I find it very interesting as well that they're providing a service that makes it really easy for people to sell their products on an open marketplace, kind of similarly to a Shopify, because it's here on their company profile. Etsy Payments is big for them, which is the payment processing service. And then Promoting Listings is, is a, another source of revenue, which is advertising that allows sellers to pay for prominent real estate on the site, essentially. And then providing all the shipping and and logistics for the marketplace users, similar to a Shopify. So you're seeing those kind of out of the box, really easy solutions for small business do really well. Like Shopify's about to hit 600 Canadian dollars. So I, <laughs> I mean, those those companies are doing extremely well. I think I mean that one's pumped to the moon their share price. But I I I don't I don't uh, hate this one as much as I thought I was going to.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think that's kind of a good overview uh, for Etsy. So what's uh, what's your pick, uh, Braden?
0: I am going to be super boring, and I'm going to talk about a Canadian core holding. If you're Canadian, you don't own this stock. What are you doing? It is Brookfield Asset Management ticker B A M dot A, and Brookfield is. Well, they're a global player, so let's just uh, let's just go with that first. And I think they fly under the radar as a Canadian company, but truly they are a, a global company. So this global asset management firm um, owns four controlling stakes in in their companies, which are the Brookfield Renewable Energy Partners, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, Brookfield Property Partners, and Brookfield Business Partners, which all four of them are listed stocks that you can buy individually so if you want more exposure to one company over the other or you can just own bam which holds a controlling stake in all four of them so as i mentioned they're a global diversified capital allocator and they are very good at it they're consistently growing free cash flow 15 20 percent. same with earnings and the top line so they're a free free cash flow generating machine and essentially what they, are, what they are, is they're global value investors in essentially infrastructure projects and real estate projects. And they do extremely well in emerging markets and they thrive in a low interest rate environment like this. In this kind of interest rate environment, this has to be a core holding for you, long-term growth. Um, and they have had a really successful track record of taking certain assets, undervalued assets, maybe distress assets, turning them around and making it a very good story. And it's just been, I mean, management's been very, very good at it. So I own this uh, in my own portfolio and I recommend on the Stratosphere Premium Newsletter, which follows my real portfolio as a, as a core holding for Canadians. Uh, this is a good place to
1: start. Yeah, so I'll try to find a few negative things to say about uh, (laughs) Brookfield Asset Management. (laughs) I (laughs) I
0: didn't do a very good job picking one that's controversial because, I mean... (laughs) Hard I mean, not I like actually
1: don't own Brookfield Asset Management, but I do own Brookfield Infrastructure Partners and Brookfield Renewable Partners because I wanted uh, more concentration. Actually, no, I also owned um, Brookfield Property Partners, so I own all of them, except the main uh, Brookfield <laughs> Asset Management and- You'd the rather incur more Partners. transaction costs. Yeah. so. Um, I'm going to ask you. So, um, aren't you afraid of um, in this climate for Brookfield Asset Management? I know I can tell. Obviously, I'm looking at their um, their balance sheet right now, and they have a lot of long-term debt. I think uh, over 100 and close to 120 billion dollars in long-term debt. Um, so. I are you concerned about the rising interest rates? And the other concern that I might have is also, we're seeing institutional um, investors uh, kind of doing almost bidding wars in uh, cash flow generating businesses. I know recently the Canada Pension Plan bought um, Pattern Energy Group for quite the premium. So are you afraid that they'll have trouble finding um, actually good value in this type of environment and obviously the debt load?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, those are two very good questions. So I'll address the capital structure first. Uh, so it is a one times debt to equity currently right now. Um, and the reason that that's okay is we'll, one we can expect that from a real estate capital intensive infrastructure business so that is that is to be expected and the amount of reliable cash flow free cash flow that they're generating this is not a concern for me at all in terms of uh you know the safety of being able to pay back those long-term liabilities so if if they had fluctuating free cash flow or even just a fluctuating business model in general with unpredictable cash flows i'd be much more concerned but with brookfield i think it's uh less of a concern and If you see here, they're only paying out 17% of earnings to the dividend in 2018 or is that 2019? No, just for 2018. And they are growing the dividend very quickly. It paid $0.52 in 2015 and now they paid $0.81 in 2018. So they're growing it considerably fast with a low payout ratio and consistent free cash flow. Uh, Not a concern for me, but very good question. And then your other question was around
1: uh, getting value for getting uh, value. yeah finding value in an environment where there are institutional buyers are, are fighting for these uh, cash flow uh, generating businesses.
0: This one I actually really strongly agree with you. They this, this company, like institutional buyers, can't get enough of this thing. Like any of the Brookfield names, they can't get enough of because it's just, you know, popular with institutional investors for the amount of cash flow that they're producing. You know, free cash flow is this finance nirvana um, on Bay Street and Wall Street. So I, I do get that. And especially for pension, you know, pension manager, very happy to be in this name. And because of that, you know, the valuation does get pumped up. And I like to go to places where, you know, people aren't necessarily looking, you know, like 1 billion to 2 billion in market cap. Um, And that's the kind of opposite story here at 77, almost 78 billion in market cap, which is big for a TSX stock. So to your point, yes, I agree with you, but I mean, they're growing earnings double digit, like 20% consistently with no signs of slowing and a lot of potential in emerging markets like India per se and uh you know all around the world it's hard not to own this name
1: yeah they've grown their free cash flow they double it in the past five years so that's really interesting and even the payout ratio when you look at the free cash flow it's super low too so i mean i do like the company i think every company is gonna have some risk um but uh definitely i think bam is a is a solid solid holding then the ticker is just awesome too. And uh, yeah. if we have American listeners, uh, it's also listed on the New York Stock Exchange.
0: This is true. And it, and it flies under the radar because it's a Canadian based company. Um, yeah, they, they collect fees on every single corner of what they do in terms of managing capital, um, de- deploying capital. Like they just are bearing fees all over the place for their investors. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a good place to be. It's kind of like Visa where they collect, you know, revenue from kind of all parts of the transaction. And if you don't pay it, well, now you're going to pay more in fees. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's hard not to like.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, I think that's good for our two companies. So, the next one we'll be talking about is uh, Canada Goose. So, we had uh, requests uh, to talk about that company. Uh, I can get started on Canada Goose. So, while I was... Um, Uh, dissembling some ikea furniture i was listening to their most recent conference call so i heard a few interesting things over there um overall they're doing uh, quite well in their uh revenue if we look at the uh well since they've been uh they've been public um they've actually been increasing at a quite nice clip Um, there are a few things that i did notice i know their inventory is actually uh, going up a little bit in terms of uh, what they have on hand Uh, management was saying that uh, they are fine with that that it actually allows them to fulfill orders a bit quicker Um, they also have been saying that their direct to consumer sales have been increasing so when the company for example you go on their website and you purchase directly from them instead of going for example to nordstrom and uh, purchasing to Nordstrom. So it's always good to see that because the margins are higher for those type of sales. Um, They said they've also been doing pretty well in China, even in Hong Kong, where there's been some uh, challenges, obviously with the political uh, climate over there. Um, So it's, it's definitely an interesting company. I would be, I'm a bit, um, Not skeptical, but for the inventory, that's something I would keep an eye on for anyone looking to invest in Canada Goose, uh, mainly because that can become a problem um, if it doesn't play out like management is uh, saying. They do have a lot of pricing power right now, but if you have too much inventory and you need to start discounting, that will become a problem. I haven't seen that myself personally, uh, going to Nordstrom or stores like that, but it is something uh, that could happen. so yeah, what about you, Braden?
0: Yeah, I think for them, what they have to do is not discount anything and take the Lululemon approach of only selling on their locations, or their website, and keeping it as a premium product and keep those margins you know, as they are over 60% gross margins right now. And they're doing something very interesting. I was at the mall the other day. People were lined up outside to... You know, go into the store, and apparently the store has no inventory. I, I, really? I didn't go. I didn't go in. And I, so I was looking it up, and they're doing this like this pilot with they have stores with no inventory. It's like what's well, kind of crazy. So they're taking thinking like a Tesla approach, where you literally get cash up front and then just deliver it later. Um, very interesting. I, I don't. I don't know how that pilot is doing, but I, it looks like they're trying to innovate in the space. I think they have to take the premium model of, of what, you know, what they currently have, you know, their jackets are like 600 bucks. Yeah, if and not more, I think. <laughs> if not more, yeah, 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 it's probably the cheapest one. And they're doing really well in Asia. Um, yeah, it, it's the brand is really strong when they IPO'd it was kind of like, "Whoa, this is really expensive." And but now you're like, "Okay, this this massive pullback trading at 34 times earnings." It's a massive pullback due to you know uh, using fur for their product. And a lot of people are against that, so they're seeing how they can battle from that, and it's taking a huge hit on their stock. And uh, 34 times earnings for 40% revenue growth and 40% earnings growth. I mean, that's pretty attractive
1: yeah exactly so i mean they there's a lot of things to like about them i would probably just use a wait and see approach um just keep an eye on the some of the things we've mentioned they are uh doing pretty well too from a cash flow standpoint so they have uh free cash flow um but definitely yeah it's a premium model um that's something i would definitely keep an eye on i love things that are companies that have uh, really strong brands and pricing power Uh, but again that can shift uh, pretty quickly
0: yeah and you know it's actually really funny i was looking at the stock i'm like oh no climate change no one's gonna buy jackets in two years (laughs) and then I, i was joking about that and then i actually haven't worn my like heavy winter coat yet in toronto this entire winter and oh, it's that. January. What? What is it today?
1: The 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 sixteenth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. January sixteenth, and I haven't worn my winter jacket today
1: yet this year. <laughs> it's because you need to move to Ottawa. Trust me. You oh worn it. <laughs> no,
0: thank you, man. No, thank you. No, it was like plus ten last week here. I mean, it bounces around, but it's yeah.
1: I think they're so, also trying to actually branch out in like other types of uh, like outerwear. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on.
0: Mm-hmm. the brand is really strong internationally too like i've been I, i've traveled a lot and i've seen the jackets not in canada and it's kind of always surprising i didn't realize that it had such a you know kind of global presence the asian markets love the love these jackets
1: yeah especially in china they love uh like there's a really strong market for luxury goods and definitely that would uh, would fall within that
0: Mm-hmm. So they're currently trading for $5 billion in market cap. Do you think you would consider entering a position after this kind of huge fall in their uh, share price in the last six months?
1: I mean, that's something I could consider. Um, Their fiscal year actually runs from like halfway through the year. So it's, I think now they're in, they're about to report their third quarter of 2020. Um, I'd probably wait until they report their fourth quarter just to get a better sense of what's been going on. And oftentimes to management will provide guidance, give a bit more, more insightful on the business going forward. Um, So that's probably the approach I would have. Uh, Honestly, until someone brought it up to us, I thought it was super expensive and there was no win hell, and now it is something I have on my watch list.
0: Yeah, good point, because the IPO was, that was the reaction, and then I haven't looked since. And, you know, the story is there. It's, I mean, these numbers are quite impressive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think, did you have anything else for uh, Canada Goose?
0: No, I think we can move on to our tip of the day.
1: Yeah, so I'll let you do this one because uh, it was your idea and then I can always uh, chip in at the end.
0: All right, so my tip of the day is something I see beginners make uh, this mistake all the time, which is chasing dividend yield. All the time I get questions from new investors about companies paying you know, 10 plus, 8 plus percent yields. A lot of the time the yield will be really high due to significant problems in the company, which means that the share price just falls off a cliff. Um, and then there may not be room in the any growth in the payout because they're already paying out so much. So look out for the payout ratio. If it's over 100%, be very cautious. And if it's a company that's not growing at all, you're going to typically find higher yields. But just is that if you're a long term investor, is that where you want to be? I know it's easy to try to lock in 10% yields or 8% yields because you think, oh, I can make this much money every year in passive income but might not always be the best idea for your investment portfolio.
1: Yeah. So I, Totally agree with that. Um, Never only look at the yield, definitely look at the payout ratio. I think we've said it a lot. I really like the um, payout ratio when compared to free cash flow, because that's the money coming into the business Um, and the yield. I mean, you have to also compare. I find this is a really good spot to compare with industry peers, because you'll have certain industries where, um, for example, Brookfield uh, uh, Renewable Partners or Yield, I think is around five or six percent they have a higher yield but they have very constant cash flow that is growing um so that's the yield is higher but when you compare it to its peers it makes a lot of sense and the um the funds from operations as well but if you have a company especially for example in tech that's paying a six percent yield i would be super alarmed by that because that would be um that would be completely crazy compared to its peers. So that's one area that I do like to compare with industry peers because that'll give you a good idea. Uh, But definitely anything above uh, 5-6%, just make sure you do a lot of research on the company. And if there's anything double-digit, I wouldn't even look at it.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. If anything's yielding higher than Enbridge and the banks, just uh, take a double look. Of why that is because those are some of the most stable cash flows in the business who are able to do that. So uh, that would be a good comparison. <laughs> See what Enbridge is paying. And if they're paying more, uh, be careful.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think what uh, wasn't GameStop that had like at some point a 15% yield or something like that?
0: If I hear GameStop one more time on this podcast. <laughs> They're so easy to make fun of. Yeah, no, they were paying at like 50% or something crazy because the share price fell off a cliff.
1: Yeah. Another one that uh, had a crazy high yield and then resulted in a dividend cut. Uh, people can look that up is uh, Chorus Entertainment. It's uh, trading on the TSX. So that one at some point I was doing a screen and it came up and uh, I think maybe less than six months after that, they cut uh, the, the dividend and like, two thirds or three quarters. So um, yeah, usually a high yield means that the stock has gone down. They've kept their payout the same, uh, but there's oftentimes a good reason why the stock has gone down and shot up the yield.
0: That's a good example. I was looking at different airlines and I've always spoke about how I thought Air Canada was extremely undervalued back in 2017 at like four and a half billion in market cap. It trades for almost 15 today. And He's like, no, I'm gonna go into into chorus, and uh, I was like, I just look up chorus, and it had an eight eight and a half percent yield. I was like, whoa, that's an instant red flag. Like, why is this airline paying, yeah. <laughs> paying that much? So, yeah, cut the dividend. It wasn't safe. Boom. Stopped.
1: Well, chorus is not an airline. Chorus is. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it, they own like global and all that, so they got spun off by uh, Shaw Communications
0: sorry not chorus what what is the what chorus is the
1: aviation or
0: something i think there's, that's anona- probably, yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's that's another there's another airline that was in the same yeah. situation
1: okay well there you go any two of the chorus uh, is a good example for people i think i know what which one you're talking about unless yeah.
0: i'm just like this again this was years ago unless i'm yeah. mixing two stories up which would also be hilarious but that is a good example yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love how we were talking about different companies <laughs> Uh, potentially, yeah. yeah.
0: There, there is a chorus airline, though. No,
1: I am pretty sure there is. Uh...
0: For the sake of the podcast, just yeah. just agree with me at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we All can right, guys... probably
1: come back on in next episode and give some. Yeah, exactly. We have, yeah.
0: we have to address this next time. All, All right, right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, check out getstockmarket.com. I actually revamped it this week and have a live stock screener you can use right on the website now. So I think it's a really cool tool. This is a good place to start for look, looking for, you know, high quality growth dividend stocks that are not extremely overvalued. This is a good place to start. Thank you for listening.
1: The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable
1: investing resources, go to getstockmarket.com.